grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thinking about the future and what the future has in store for us, it's just a a natural part of human existence. It's very natural to our human nature. When God first breathed the breath of life into the nostrils of our first ancestors, Adam and Eve, they were endowed with special characteristics and traits that set them apart from the rest of God's creation, that enabled them to to think at a high level, to communicate, uh, to communicate even with God himself, to have at that time a a perfect understanding of God's will for them and, and for his creation. As living people with uh, independent mind and will, it was just part of their natural makeup to look ahead and to think about future events. Now, when their relationship with God was perfect and in perfect harmony with God, when they, when that relationship was healthy and and they were sinless, there was really no problem for them in in thinking about the future and what the future held. But the moment when they opted to abandon that harmonious relationship with God and and challenge the good and gracious will of God, that is when problems set in for them. No longer were they able to put everything into proper perspective as they had been able to originally in their perfect state. No longer were they able to look forward into the future without having their hearts filled with anxiety, fear, worry, no longer were they assured and and, and perfectly at peace knowing God's perfect love for them, but instead their hearts were filled with fear and guilt because of their own sin. Yes, God immediately after their first sin gave them the promise that he personally would come to right the wrongs that they had created, that he personally would fix things in his due time. In spite of that promise, their hearts were still filled with worry and fear. Just as it was for those first ancestors of ours, so it is with us now who live on the other side of Jesus' cross and empty tomb. We also so often find our, our own hearts filled with fear and uncertainty about the future. And it is to troubled hearts like ours that Jesus is speaking in the gospel reading for today from John chapter 14. As we mentioned, these words that Jesus speaks to his disciples uh, were, were spoken on the night before he was put to death on the cross. And although Jesus was speaking immediately to those of his closest disciples who were with him there celebrating that Passover meal, I think his words are just as applicable and important for us disciples of his almost 2,000 years later here today. For some people at, at Jesus' time, even among God's chosen people, the, the people who believed in his word in the Old Testament, the idea of everlasting communion with God was denied and rejected by many of his people. For example, you might know that the Sadducees, one of the religious sects or denominations among the Jewish people at that time, openly rejected the resurrection of the dead. As far as they were concerned, that message of the resurrection to eternal life was nothing more than a figment of people's imagination, nothing more than a a, a wishful thought, something that had no basis in reality. 
was something, therefore, that, that the Sadducees and, and others who agreed with their teachings ruled out and eliminated as part of their, their faith and, and what they believed about God. For those who did not acknowledge the resurrection of the dead, their, their life, their thinking, their, their religious belief was focused only on the short span of their life on this earth. Now, for the others uh, who, who did acknowledge and believe in the resurrection of the dead, such as the Pharisees, which was, as, as you may know, another of the religious sects or denominations among the Jewish people, they, however, viewed the eternal life with God as something that a person had to earn by their own good works, by their own merit, uh, strictly obeying all of God's commands, and in fact, obeying many additional commands that they themselves set up as well. So for them, heaven was looked upon as, as simply uh, the reward that you get for your good works, not something that we could never hope to measure up to or earn or attain by ourselves. And for still others, uh, at Jesus' time and, and throughout the centuries since then, for, perhaps for many people today, tragically even among some Christian denominations today, heaven is viewed as nothing more than a, a state of mind just simply being at, at peace uh, with, with the world around you, simply being something perhaps almost even like nirvana, being uh, out of the, the stress and the worries and the anxieties of this life and just having your mind kind of meld into a, a peaceful nothingness. In our reading today, we see that Jesus, on that fateful evening before his crucifixion, when he was sharing the, the Last Supper with his disciples, said to his disciples in verses 1 and 2 of our reading, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. With these words, contrary to whatever other ideas there may have been popular among the, the Jewish people at Jesus' time about heaven, Jesus makes it clear to his disciples that heaven is a reality. Heaven is a place where our relationship with God, which begins here on earth the moment we believe in Jesus as our Savior from sin, that that relationship with God will continue forever in perfection. God tells us in his word that in heaven we will be free from all of the sorrow and the pain, death, tears that we experience in this life. The words that Jesus uses there, in my Father's house are many mansions or, or dwelling places, clearly indicates for us that heaven is a reality where people who believe in Jesus as their Savior will spend eternity living together with our God who created us, our, our Heavenly Father who loves us, our Redeemer Jesus who gave his life to save us, that we will be there forever in his Jesus didn't stop there that evening with merely making clear that there is more to life than just the here and now. At the same time, he wanted to make clear to his disciples that his departure from them visibly should not lead them to despair and to give up all hope. And so after having said, do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus went on to identify himself as worthy of their trust and as their reason for hope wanted them to realize that 
everything he told them about heaven, about that, that perfect bliss that was to come, to be absolutely relied upon without any question or doubt. And he did so by presenting to them his credentials in the form of a statement about himself. I am the way and the truth and the life. With this statement, the disciples were given a a guarantee that trusting in Jesus as their Savior would assure them not only of everlasting life, but also of glory and honor and majesty and might there together with God in heaven. Since Jesus' primary goal was to remove the anxiety and fear that troubled the hearts of his disciples, he had to give them something substantial that they could grasp onto and rely on. And that's why he pointed them to himself. Throughout his public ministry, the the three years that his disciples had spent together with him, Jesus had demonstrated again and again that he is the almighty, all-powerful, eternal, all-knowing God himself. God incarnate. He he took on human flesh and blood and soul. So Jesus' message to them was essentially, I want you to to accept, to, to fully believe the claim that I make about myself simply on my word, simply because I've told you that I am the eternal Son of God. What if you have difficulty doing that? you have any doubts whatsoever about that, just stay by my side and learn from me. To those disciples, just remember the things that you have seen and heard during this time you have spent together with me. If you do so, then your questions, any questions you might have about my credibility will not only be totally removed, but at the same time, you also will become like me. And the result then will be that others will come to trust in me because they have seen me in you. And the last point that Jesus wanted to make in this discourse with his disciples was that I am the answer for troubled hearts. Situations that we face in life have a way of catching up with us emotionally sometimes, overtaking us emotionally can also take a great toll on us spiritually as well. Whether it's sickness, a, a personal illness or, or injury that we suffer, or the death of a loved one, a broken home, unemployment, loneliness, the betrayal of, of a dear friend, a whole host of other things can often leave a, a deep and, 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 and uh, deep and lasting wound on us emotionally and spiritually. And when times and tragedies and difficulties like that come our way, we might be tempted to doubt God's love and concern for us and and his ability to do something about these things that trouble us in our lives. So we might find ourselves uh, thinking about questions like, why did this have to happen to me? Or why did this have to happen to my loved one? What did I ever do to deserve this? Where did I go wrong that I'm now suffering Whatever it is that I'm thinking. Is God blind or is God unaware of my situation? Does he just not care about me? These are are questions that we might think in in our strongest moments of faith that would never cross our mind. We know God's love for us. When we're plagued by those 
attacks of the devil, his temptations were, were, were led uh, through those moments of weakness to ask these questions of whether God truly loved him. A mere thought for those disciples that, that Jesus would be soon leaving them filled them with, with anxiety and worry, and, and they thought that Jesus' departure from them was simply more than they could handle. As a result, their hearts were filled, weighed down with anxiety, frustration, and fear. And so knowing this as, as the all-knowing God himself, Jesus spoke words of comfort to them. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Then again, pointing to himself, he said, in essence, the reason that you don't need to fear is that I am the answer for troubled hearts. That's why I came into this world in the first place, to help you look to the future with hope, with confidence, with full trust in me as your Savior. And of course, Jesus knew that for us sinful, weak human beings as we are, doing this is something that is easier said than done. And so, in answer to Philip's request, who asked, Lord, show us the Father, and that is enough for us, Jesus said, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus is saying that he came to reveal himself as the God who brought this universe into being. There's no reason for us to question his ability to remove all fear from us. Jesus' goal here in these verses is to give us confidence, courage, hope, joy, and gladness as we look at life, whether it's the past and, and things that might still weigh on our hearts and minds, or the present, uh, the things that immediately lie before us, or, or whatever may lie ahead in the future. Jesus' desire for us is that we know and love him as our God and Savior, and that we may be hopeful and expectant uh, eagerly looking forward to the future, trusting in his promise of blessing for us, even during times of, of sorrow, separation, and sadness. He doesn't rebuke us for being sorrowful at times. Instead, he simply states, there's no need for despair, for utterly giving up hope, because I have made all things believe in Jesus for who he is in truth and in fact, namely that he is the Lord of all the universe, that he is our Savior who loved us and gave his life for us, that he is equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit in power and glory and honor and majesty and might. Yes, we who have that faith in him, we still experience sorrow and sadness from time to time separated from family, friends, and loved ones, for example. Never to the point of despair. Never to the point of giving up Just as this knowledge of who Jesus is, of Jesus as the Savior and the only way to harmony and eternal life with God the Father, just as that gave comfort and assurance to the disciples 2,000 years ago, so it does still the same for us today. We also look forward with confidence and trust that the same Jesus who brought those first disciples through those days of, of utter hopelessness and despair, he will also bring us through ours as well. And beyond those times of sadness and sorrow into the perfect 
eternal future that he has prepared for us with him in mind.